Welcome to the Ark Church Podcast. On here, you'll find all of our Sunday and Wednesday messages, as well as classes and special services. If you would like more information about the Ark Church, visit us at thearkchurch.com or download our app available to all app stores. Our heart for you is that you would live for God, grow stronger, and make a difference. Enjoy. I remember growing up in the Baptist Church, Palm Sunday was when they used to pass out palms to all of us in Sunday school, which quickly became weapons. <laughs> so we don't do that. We don't do that anymore. And, uh, but it was celebrating the time right before Jesus went to the cross where he came into Jerusalem and he was riding on a donkey according to the prophetic scriptures and uh, they said great multitudes came out. And they were putting their coats in the streets and they were laying palms in the, in the way where he would ride. And they were praising God and shouting Hosanna to the King of Kings. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It had to be a high watermark place for Jesus. Had to be one of the high, high watermarks of his life. But then things would quickly go sour. And this morning, I want to talk a little bit about that. Because life is a lot like that. We have the highs and we have the lows. I think you've figured out that if you've been on this earth any length of time, that life is not always, the, the road of life is not always easy and downhill. There's challenges. There's surprises. Some are good, some not so good. Uh, Janet Gallo was writing about her sister came in one day and she said, you know, I don't feel so good. I think I might have a fever. And she rummaged through the medicine cabinet. She grabbed a thermometer and stuck it in her mouth. Her mother walked in a little bit and looked at her. She said, um, Julie, you got the dog's thermometer in your mouth. <laughs> and uh, Julie spit it out. She went, ooh, this has been in Fitzy's mouth. <laughs> Mom hesitated and like, no, not exactly. Life has surprises. Some of them are good, some not so good. Life also has setbacks. My heart goes out to the people in Rolling Fork, Mississippi, who had that horrible tornado come through at night and just wipe out that town. That's a setback. They're looking at neighbors who are gone. Hit, well, I think one hit Little Rock. And setbacks happen in life and we are going down a certain path and you think this is the way it's going to be and then something happens and you find yourself going, what happened here? This is not how I plan things, not, not how I plan my career, not how I plan my relationships, not how I planned. And, and boy, I'd, I'd love to tell you, sit here as your pastor and say, hey, life is, is always going to be good and you come to Jesus and everything is perfect and that's not the case. Life still has setbacks. And life has pain. Physical pain, emotional pain, pain of loss. It's not a week that goes by here in the church that we don't get a prayer request in for people who are in pain, hurting. And life has pain. But there is a difference as we navigate our way through life. If you're a believer, the beautiful news is you don't have to navigate it alone. That we're not alone as we go through this life. One of the beautiful things about Christianity that we offer is Christianity offers us someone who has gone before us and who will walk with us. Amen. In Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews is talking to a group of people who are undergoing some severe persecution. And man, it, things have gotten tough on them. And he writes them this and he says, 
seeing then that we have a great high priest. A high priest is one who represents us before God, who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession or let us hold fast to saying the same thing. Let us hold fast to our beliefs. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. This is something that I think it's easy to lose sight of, is what Jesus has gone before us. And Jesus has already passed through the heavens and he's the one representing us before God. But he's not representing us before God as someone who is set apart. He's representing us as someone who has experienced life as we've experienced and experienced pain as we've experienced. And he never sinned and even though he was tempted, he's the one that went before us and he, not to he reject us when we go through difficult times. He's the one that's saying, I understand, I've been there too. And so the Bible says, because we've got someone like that, we hold fast to what we believe. We hold fast and we don't back up. We've got someone who's gone before us. A number of years ago, before we started the church, I worked for a company. At that time, they were called Administaff. They're now called Insperity. I was with them when they were 50 people. They grew to a, to a, a company that, that actually was a New York Stock Exchange. And as they were growing, they began to operate different uh, different um, offices in different cities. They were based out of Kingwood. And they opened an office in Phoenix, Arizona, and they sent me out there to be a trainer. I'm in my early 30s, and I sit down with a group of salesmen, almost every salesman around this table, about six or seven of them, they were all older than me. And they did not, you know, they're looking at me like, okay, what's this kid got to say? And I begin to talk, and it's obvious I've got no traction here. Finally, one guy kind of their leader of the group, kind of pipes up, older guy. He said, you know, I don't mean any disrespect. You know, whenever someone says that, you know what's coming. <laughs> disrespect. He looked at me and said, why are we in here listening to you? We could be out selling. And the sales manager finally pipes up. He says, well, I didn't tell you about Alan. He said, Alan was the sales rep in this company who was the fastest one to the million dollar club. That was a, a level of sales. He said he got there faster than anybody else in the whole company. It was a miracle, but, uh, <laughs> but I still got there. And he said, Alan is now part of the $2 million club. So that means I'd hit another echelon by the, by the grace of God. None of these guys were even close to that. They hadn't hardly sold anything. But now they got a $2 million club guy sitting in there and all of a sudden the whole atmosphere changed. Now I'm just not a corporate suit. I'm golden. They wanted to hear what I've got to say. Because why? Because I have been there. I have gone before them. I knew exactly what was going on. And now they were interested as someone who understood. Listen, we've got a savior who has been there, who's gone before us, who knows exactly what's going on. And his words... And his life and his help make all the difference in the world. This morning, I, I want to talk a little bit differently about Palm Sunday because Palm Sunday was the high water mark. But Jesus experienced a lot of pain during this week, and it's what I call people pain. Pain that came from people. You know, some of the most painful things we experience is what happens in our interactions with other people. And it, it's good to know that we have a Savior 
who've experienced this. He's not robotic. He did not float along on, you know, and never walk on the ground. He got tired. He got hungry. He got angry. He wept. He's experienced life as we've experienced life. And one of the most painful things he experienced was betrayal. Betrayal is not just being disloyal. Betraying is turning you over into the hands of the enemy. And Jesus was turned over by Judas into the hands of people who hated him. After, after he gave them that last supper, we talked about that in communion. That's that communion time. And after communion, Jesus just took a towel and began to wash the feet of his disciples, which was in itself bizarre because that was always reserved for the lowest slave, the lowest servant on the totem pole. And for a leader to do that was amazing. And Jesus began to wash their feet. And Peter, Peter balked at it. I, I have to appreciate Peter. Peter sometimes talks before he thinks. And uh, I'm sure he's the only one. But uh, <laughs> Peter said, Lord, you never wash my feet. And Jesus said, if I don't wash you, you have no part. He said, not just my feet, Lord, wash my hands and my head. He made a great adjustment. Jesus speaks to Peter here. And he said this, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. You're not all clean. He said, you were clean, said, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. Therefore, he said, you're not all clean. So when he washed their feet, he knew Judas was going to betray him. And he still washed his feet. You know, Judas would have been the one we would have skipped. Wash everybody else's feet. Come to Judas and lay, I'm washing your feet. I'm going to go to the next person. But Jesus washed his feet. And then after supper, he told Judas, he said, what you do, do quickly. Judas got up and left, and the Lord never exposed him. He never said, oh, there goes Judas. Out to betray me. Hope the money works for you good, Judas. I mean, we, you know, what pain just going to betray. He's been walking with Jesus for three years. And now he's going to go sell him out to Jesus' enemies. And Jesus never says a word. In fact, the disciples don't even know who the betrayer was until the garden. And then they finally figured it out. Oh, it's Judas. He knows the pain of betrayal. He knows the pain of being abandoned. Jesus, when he was talking to his disciples, he said, guys, he said, tonight, he said, all of you are going to fall away because of me. And boy, they began to say, no, no. In fact, Peter, Peter, once again, my man, Peter, he steps up. He goes, I don't care what these cats do. I will never fall away from you, Lord. I will die with you. So he put everybody else down and said, I'm not going to, I'll die with you, Lord. And Jesus said, you know, Peter, before the rooster crows, finish his crow and you're going you're gonna to deny me three times. And Peter said, I am not. And all the other disciples said, no, we'll never deny you. We're going to die with you. You know, when Jesus was arrested, he, he looked around and all the disciples had left. How does it feel, you know, when you go through a hard time? Sometimes just having people you know love you and people who are with you, just having them there. They don't have to say anything, just being there. But they all left. And then Peter followed along and he got confronted. He was there right where Jesus is being arrested. He was confronted by a little girl who said, weren't you with Jesus? And Peter like, no, I don't, I don't know him. Denied even knowing him. And someone else said, no, I saw you with him. And he's like, no, I, I don't know what you're talking about. One translation says, the third person asked him and, and Peter cussed. No, I don't know him. See what happens. 
Peter said, man, I do not know what you're saying. And immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows, he'll deny me three times. You know, we always talk about how Peter felt. But we never talk about how Jesus felt. He looked and Peter just denied knowing him. Peter who'd been in his inner circle. Peter who'd been the closest one to him. You don't think people pain impacted Jesus? And yet he never exposed Peter. He never looked at Peter and said, hey, hey, Pete! You know me now? He never exposed him at all. He just went on. He knows the pain of betrayal. He knows the pain of being abandoned. He knows the pain of abuse. Boy, abuse is a horrible thing. Jesus, after he was arrested, talked to Pilate. Pilate had him scourged. When you read that, you, t you tend to read over it. He had him scourged. You know, scourging was so brutal with whips that some men used to die from the scourging alone. And Jesus has just been beaten within an inch of his life and he's standing there. And the, the soldiers, Pilate soldiers, Roman soldiers gather around him. And look at the abuse he took. Soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole garrison around him. And they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. When they twisted a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Then they spat on him, took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they mocked him, they took the robe off of him, put his own clothes on him and led him away to be crucified. He now had just been beaten. If you're ever in physical pain and somebody that irritates you, it's even worse. And now he, they put a, a crown of thorn. The, the historians tell us that the thorns they put on his head were not like these little rose bushes we have. They were two to four inches and stuck it on his head and they would hit him with that. And then they would mock him, you know, bow the knee and mock him. Oh, you're the king of the Jews. Be, have you ever been mocked? That is not a good feeling. And then spit on him. Now, ladies, I'm going to tell you something. When women spit and men spit, it's two different things. Women spit kind of like, men bring it from somewhere else, man. When they spit, it is wrong. In fact, if, you're, if, you're, uh, if you are an athlete and you spit on somebody in the stands, you get in deep trouble because it's incredibly demeaning. And they spit on him. And uh, I, I remember sharing that if you ever feel demeaned, it's a horrible feeling. I went to uh, a conference years ago and uh, they had a, a guest speaker who was a famous pastor, who was a nationally known pastor. And we had a smaller setting. I don't know, for some reason, this guy just didn't like me. I don't, I don't think I said anything or did anything. He just didn't like me. And uh, I could tell it, and I would ask questions, and you know, his answers were not that good. I remember the final night of the conference, he was the keynote speaker, and he spoke, and I, I made a point. I'm like, I'm not going to let this guy get to me. And I remember going down there and I shook his hand. I said, man, that was a good message. And he looked at me in the most condescending, demeaning tone and went, thank you, brother. And I'll never forget how that made me feel. I mean, there was a thought that went through my mind was, oh, oh that's what you're going to do. Well, let me back up on that. That was a stinky message. I have heard better. You know, I didn't. I just remembered I just remembered the pain of it. And I remember walking away and saying, Lord, 
don't ever let me do that to anyone. To be demeaned, to be sat there, and Jesus spit on, mocked, and never said a word. He said, well, what could he have done? I tell you what he could have done. He could have done what he told in, in the book of Matthew. He could have called down over 12 legions of angels. That's between 36,000 and 80,000 angels and wiped out that garrison. That's all he had to do was say, Father, take them out. And he could have wiped them all out, but he didn't. He took it. He knows what it feels to be abused. He knows what it feels like to have people turn on you and reject you. Jesus has been beaten and scourged. Now he's standing up in front of the crowd and, and Pilate, is, Pilate is going, what do you want me to do with Jesus? And the crowd turns. What then shall I do with Jesus who's called the Christ? And they all said to him, let him be crucified. Then the governor said, why? What evil has he done? But they cried out all the more saying, let him be crucified. Do you realize Jesus is standing in front of people who he had blessed and healed and helped and fed. He's probably looking out going, I healed your sick baby. I opened the eyes of your brother who was blind. I, he raised people from the dead. He had done no wrong to these people. So he's standing there and they've turned on him and said, let him be crucified. I, I remember hearing some businessmen talk one time and there's a phrase in business, you've probably heard it before that says, no good deed goes unpunished. And here's Jesus standing, and who would have blamed him if he'd have said, I give up. I have been good to these people. I have helped these people. I've never done anything wrong to these people, and they're doing this to me. I'm out. But that's not what he did. He took it, and he went to the cross for people who had not treated him well. But it tells us that he understands people pain. So what about us? How do we navigate pain with people? Because it's real. It happens. Here's the first thing. Go to him, the one who understands. I think sometimes when we go through difficult times, we don't think the Lord understands. We don't think the Lord understands what we've been through. We don't think the Lord understands the pain we've been through, but he understands the pain of betrayal, of abuse, of abandonment, and rejection. So if anyone is the one to go to, he's the one to go to. And in fact, he doesn't rebuke us. He doesn't stand off. I like what Joy said. His face is turned toward us, and he gives us an open invitation to come get help. In Hebrews 4.16, 4, it says we've got a high priest who's been before us, who understands our weaknesses. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You say, well, Alan, what if I've been the one that caused the problems? What if I've been the ones that caused the people pain? Well, then come get mercy. Come get the mer mercies for the guilty and come get the mercy. Say, Lord, forgive me. Thank you for your mercy. You say, well, Alan, what if nothing, I didn't do nothing to receive this. Then come get the grace to help you endure it and deal with it in a time of need. The invitation is there. Come to the one who understands. Second thing is we could use this example to commit. Don't quit. So oftentimes when we experience pain from people, it causes us to even get off track with the Lord. 
And how many times have you seen people talk about, well, I got hurt and I got hurt at church. Guys, why do you think I apologize every time we receive communion? Because we're people and people hurt people and sometimes it's unintentional, sometimes it's intentional. But we have to be willing to go, Lord, I, I, I can't quit you just because people messed up. In 1 Peter 2.23, here's our example. Who? Jesus, when he was reviled, insulted, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he didn't threaten, but he committed himself to him who judges righteously. So Jesus was insulted and abused and all that, and he could have been, he could have said some things. He could have threatened. One more spit, and I'm going to wipe the whole group out. He could have threatened, but he never did. He just committed to the one who judges righteously. Because here's the beautiful thing, guys. Listen, we have to take his example that when you've been hurt by people, don't strike back. Because striking back is a hollow victory. And really, it's not even a victory at all. And here's another thing. Striking back won't take the pain away. I hear people say, well, I got to hold on. I got my pride. The Bible never says hold fast to your pride. It says hold fast to your confession. Hold fast to what you believe. So in believing, you say, well, what am I going to do? That's where you commit and say, Lord, I'm asking you, what do I do in this situation? How do I fix this situation? Is there anything I can do in this situation outside of getting revenge? What can I do, Lord? I had a friend in, in Bible school. We had a falling out. I don't even know why. It was petty. You know, it just unspoken things. He would come in the room, I'd leave. I'd come in the room, he'd leave. Kind of, kind of like a junior high thing. I mean, it was, it really, it was just really petty. But we, we grew, we were once close and we grew very far apart. And I'm praying and I'm asking the Lord. I finally, you know, since I'm in Bible school, I thought maybe I could ask the Lord about this. And so I, I asked the Lord, I said, I said, Lord, what, what do I do about this? And I'm praying. I had a I had a day off and I was just up in the apartment praying and the Lord just, I didn't hear a voice. He impressed on my heart, wash his feet. I'm like, that wasn't the Lord. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray about that again. And uh, Lord just impressed on my heart, said, wash his feet. And I'm thinking, surely Lord, you mean figuratively speaking. That, uh, that's not like not. And, and I just kept in this passage where Jesus washed the, the disciples' feet and he washed Judas' feet. And it just, kept, I'm like, oh, I, I can't keep rebuking the devil if it's the Lord. And so, all right, Lord, I'm going to do this. So we invited them to dinner. And it was an awkward dinner. You know, what kind of things are strained. It's awkward. I mean, they came awkward. And after dinner, I, I remember I said, I need you guys to sit over here on the couch. And they sat on the couch and I had a pot. Joy, Joy said, I took the biggest pot she has, like, Alan, that's the pot I cook spaghetti in. And uh, I, I took the pot, and as I went walking back to the bathroom to put water in it, this thought came, hot water. <laughs> that is not the Lord. You know that, don't you? And I remember I put, the, I put the pot in, and as soon as I turned the water, lukewarm water on, I, I remember the presence of God came in that apartment. And we walked out, and Joy and I washed their feet. And whatever was between us broke. It just, it broke, it's just like it got destroyed. And we wept, we reconciled. We're still friends today. This is...
What I'm saying is, don't, don't quit the Lord when people do you wrong. When people do you wrong, don't run away from him, run to him. Amen. Say, Lord, help me with this. Remember, he understands. He's been there. Here's the last one. You want to stay connected to the God who's bigger than your pain. Stay connected to the God who's bigger than pain. Pain has, a, it has an ability to cloud our perspective. We don't see things clearly. You say, well, how, how, do you, how do I stay connected? Remember it said, hold fast your confession. In other words, hold fast to what you believe. Hold fast to saying, God, you're bigger. You're bigger than this pain. You're going to help me. When Joy was, was so sick years ago, she had acute chronic pancreatitis, which they said is some of the most devastating pain that you can experience. And she said the, the, the little ones are getting a bath and she's lying on the floor. Just, I'm, I'm teaching at Lakewood that night, it was a Sunday night. She said she was lying on the floor and she raised her hand and she, she just said, Lord, I praise you, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. She's quoting scripture. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And when she said it the second time, it's like she had a revelation. And God, and she said, I, I just had this revelation. She said, God is bigger than this pain. He is bigger than this pain. She, she, said, she said, that revelation, she said, right there, that started to turn the corner. Listen, a lot of times we look for things just to disappear so quickly, but I'm not, they don't have to disappear quickly. I'm just waiting for them to turn the corner because he's still a God of hope, not the God of pain. And in Romans, the 15th chapter, man, I love this verse. It said, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Guys, the beautiful news, the good news about this is we have a Savior who understands. The good news about this is we can commit to Him instead of quitting on Him. And the good news is pain does not have to be the last thing in your life. That the hope of God, the joy of God, the peace of God, the healing of God, the, the, the grace of God is so much bigger than the pain that you deal with. And if you'll stay with Him, and sometimes you just got to say, Lord, I trust you. You're bigger than this. You are helping me. But I'm going to tell you something, guys, weeping can endure for a night, but joy can come in the morning. And you can come out of that and you can come to a place where it's like, yeah, I've gone through pain. And here's the beautiful thing. If you'll do that, if you'll commit to him, if you'll trust him, then somebody will look at you and go, you know, you had all that happen to you. I can't even tell it on you. You know, you can go through the fire and not smell smoky. You can come through and you can be someone that says, yeah, all that pain, but I don't even remember it because the joy and the peace of God is so much bigger than the pain I went through. He's that kind of savior. That's, that's what makes, people say all religions are the same. No, they are not. We got somebody who understands, who's gone before us, who's risen from the dead, who understands us. What a blessing. Hosanna to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Would you bow your heads with me for a moment? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If you came today, you're watching online and you say, you know what, Alan, I don't know that I've ever asked Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of my life. Or maybe you're saying this, I did it one time, but maybe, 
Maybe some stuff happened in my life and I got away from him. I got off course. The beautiful thing about it is he is open arm waiting for you to come back. The beautiful thing about it is that regardless of what you've done, his salvation, his grace is greater. So his heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I am going to ask this question. If that's you I'm talking to and you say, you know, Alan, I, that's me, man. I, I don't know where I stand with the Lord I want to or I know I've been away from him and I want to come back. I'm not going to have you stand up. I'm not going to have you come down to the front. I am going to ask you this one thing. If that's you and you want our prayers, would you just be willing to acknowledge that and slip your hand up and say, Alan, would you pray for me? I've been away from God. I need him or I need him in my life for the very first time. Thank you. Appreciate that. You can put your hands down. We're going to pray. If you couldn't lift your hand and yet you're thinking to yourself, man, I, I don't want to miss this. You can still pray with us. We're going to pray a prayer. You can pray this right out of your heart. God sees hands. He sees hearts. So we're going to pray this out loud together. You join us. If you're watching online, if you're by yourself, pray it, pray it out loud. If you're with others, pray it quietly. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now. I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I said yes to you. Now, his heads are still bowed just for a moment. Heavenly Father, thank you for those who have stepped out of spiritual darkness into the light and for those who've come back home. We rejoice with them. Thank you for the plans that you have for them, that they're good. Father, for those who are listening to me, those here, those online, those in television, those, Father, who are listening to me, who've experienced pain, who are dealing with pain, people pain, physical pain, pain of loss. Thank you that you know, that you understand, and that you can help. Strengthen them. Encourage them. May this be a, a turning point in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message has blessed you. Don't forget to check us out on all the social platforms. We're uploading encouraging content on a regular basis. For more information, go to thearcchurch.com. Have a great week.